Well, I want to tell you guys this morning a little bit about, about my youth. I've told you before in the past about living in Nicaragua and stuff like that. But I want to tell you that, uh, as I can remember, when I was a youth in Nicaragua, my life revolved around two very popular sociological circles. And, when, and you know, when I tell you what those circles were, uh, you guys are going to say, popular sociological, what are, you, what are you talking about? Well, in Nicaragua, it is popular, because there's something that Nicaraguans uh, respect, and then something that Nicaraguans really love, and that is some of these two circles that I'm going to share with you. You see, for the most part, on my mother's side, I spend most of the time on my mother's side. I mean, I lived with my mother for 10 years of my life before I came to the States, not with my father, but I did get to visit the father's side of the family. And on my mother's side, see, my mom is a, a, a pediatrician. She's a doctor. And all of her friends were physicians. And on my dad's side, my grandfather was a very well-known surgeon. And both my dad and his brother followed after grandpa's footsteps. So all my life, I grew up around doctors. Whether I was home with my mom or whether I was visiting my dad's side of the family, I grew up with doctors. But, believe it or not, there was a greater passion in my family for putting people in the hospital <laughs> than for keeping them out of the hospital. You see, I also grew up in a family of boxers. Isn't it ironic? I mean, think about this. You come to our home and it says, the Prado family. They cure people by the day and put them in the hospital by night. You see, now growing up in this environment, even while uh, I was living in the States, I, guess I lived here with some cousins of mine, and they, they were both boxers. Uh, I have tasted what it feels like to be inside the ring. I have tasted victory, and I have tasted defeat. And brothers and sisters, there is an indescribable feeling. It's an indescribable something about stepping inside the ring. I mean, you, you, right before you, you have done that, you have ran your miles. Okay? You have hid the speed bag. You have hid the, the heavy bag. You have done your jump rope. You have trained hours of hours, sweat, blood, tears. You guys have played sports would know about this. You walk down this aisle. You walk up these steps. And all of a sudden, you're inside the ring. You're on your corner. And as you look up, you look across the ring, and you see your opponent. And here you, you, you come eye to eye with your opponent. And then all of a sudden, this little voice comes in your head. That says to you, that guy wants to kill you. <laughs> Church, it is a great feeling. <laughs> it really is. And you see, maybe some of you can't relate to this physical standpoint. Maybe you, you can't relate to this on the physical. But if you are in Christ, I know that we can relate to this in the spiritual 
You see, we are all in a battle. And this battle is an ongoing one. We have an opponent who never rests. One who looks at you across the ring and is ready to kill you. One that is ready to beat you down. That opponent is our sin. Not many of us have been knocked down in the ring before. But all of us have taken beatings at the hands of our sin. We have all experienced being defeated by sin. Maybe some of us as recent as this morning. Church, every moment of our lives, we are in a ring trading blow for blow against anger, against pride, against envy, against doubt, anxiety, fear, bitterness, greed, lust, malice, rebellion. The list goes on and on. Some of us are more more bloody than others. Some of us are like Muhammad Ali. In his picture against Floor uh, Patterson, where Muhammad Ali is just standing over him in victory over his opponent. But some of us might be viewing our sin from our back, laying down on the canvas, defeated. I believe God this morning does not want to throw the towel on our fight. I believe God this morning brings us to Romans 1, 4, 1, Romans 8, 1 and 4. And he shouts at us, get up, get up. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Corey, get up. Al, get up. Jose, get up. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Let us pray. Father, Lord, we come to you this morning, Lord. We want to not only believe this truth, Father. We want to be able to feel it. We want to be able to live in it. We want to be able, Father, to look at our sin and say, there is therefore no condemnation because I am in Christ. Father, we want to find the victory in you this morning. Father, Lord, I pray that you would help me as I preach your word, Father. Oh, Lord, I am a man of much sin. Lord, help me. Have mercy on us and speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray.
Amen. Church, as, as I prepared this message this week, I came under the strong conviction that God's desire for Palm Vista, as we continue to march through, through our series, uh, The One for the Many, is that we would behold and receive all that God is for us in Christ Jesus. That we would receive and behold all that is in us in Christ Jesus. And so this morning, God summons us in Romans 8, 1 and 4. He summons us to behold his victory over sin with the aim that we would lay hold on what, on what Christ has done to lay hold on us in order that we may respond as God shouts to us with loving mercy, receive your victory over sin in Christ Jesus, my son. That is what God is telling us this morning in Romans 8, 1 and 4. He is saying, Palm Vista, receive your victory in Christ Jesus, my son. And many of us, I don't know what our situation may be, whether we are over our sin or whether we are laying down on the canvas, knocked down. We might be asking ourselves, how do we receive our victory over sin? We receive our victory over sin because no condemnation is there in Christ Jesus. You see, no condemnation is only for those who are in Christ. Guys, I would be doing a disservice to you. I would not be serving you this morning if I started this message speaking about the great benefits of being in Christ. If not yet first, I ask you, are you in Christ? So we first need to start with the fact that there is no condemnation if you are in Christ. Not everyone can say there is no condemnation over my life. Only those who are in Christ Jesus. Some are in Him and some are not. There are those in Christ and there are those outside of Christ. In fact, everywhere around us, our family members, our friends, our co-workers... We hear all around us in this world, we are all in God. We are all children of God. This is the kind of stuff that we've been fed all our lives. And we are being fed here in this world. But Paul is not speaking about there is therefore no condemnation, just no condemnation. He is saying there is therefore no condemnation in Christ. Paul is not a universalist. He is not saying, world, there is no condemnation. No, he is saying there is no condemnation if you are in Christ. In fact, he says explicitly in Romans 9.3, with grief, that there are those who are accursed. 
separated from Christ. Brothers and sisters, it is important for you to make this distinction between being in Christ and being outside of Christ. You see, only by being in Christ does Christ's condemnation become your condemnation. If you want to be able to say now and at the last judgment when you are standing before a holy God, there is no condemnation for me because Jesus endured it for me, then you must be in Jesus. If you are in Him, what happened to Him happened to you. If you are in Him, you will be able to warrant saying to God, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But if you are separated from Him, you have no warrant for saying that, you, that what happened to Him happened to you. None whatsoever. Well, you might say, well, Jose, but the Bible says that he died for the world, for the whole world. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, right? Isn't that what we're celebrating in Christmas? The Lamb has come? Yes, indeed. But that's not what that means. You see, what that means is that in Christ, there is infinite room. In Christ, everybody can come and enjoy no condemnation. In fact, it is Christ who says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. It is Christ that says, let the one who thirsts come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost and come. The one who comes to me, I certainly will not cast out. But if you don't come, if you don't believe, if you don't receive this gift of God, Jesus himself tells us in John 3.36, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. Brothers and sisters, the condemnation of Christ is what we need in order for our condemnation to be taken off our heads. We need to be in Christ. So this morning I ask you, where are you? Are you in Christ? Or are you outside of Christ? Are you free from condemnation? Or are you in condemnation? I also tell you, you don't have to stay condemned. There's plenty of room in Christ. Come, trust Him. Enter Him. Let Him be your life. Let Him be your righteousness. Let Him be your pardon. Because He 
has taken the condemnation. Let Him be the one that brings you victory over condemnation. That is very important for us to consider. It is important for us to consider because there is a key to our battle against sin. There is a key when we're looking at sin in the eye, in the ring of life. There is a key. And that key is that the only sin that you can receive victory over is a forgiven one. Let me repeat that to you again. The only sin that you can receive victory over is a forgiven sin. You see, I know that there are natural ways to overcome bad habits. There are natural ways to overcome addictions that are not based on what Christ has done. But when those changes occur in life, without forgiveness from Christ, the result is not righteousness. The result is self-righteousness. And for God, self-righteousness is no righteousness whatsoever. Maybe you sit here this morning, outside of Christ. And as I speak to you this morning, you might be saying, what is this guy talking about? I have overcome addiction. I was addicted to alcohol. I was addicted to drugs. I was addicted to pornography. Put in the blank. Fill it in. And I have overcome it. Well, I want to share with you two things this morning. I want to tell you two things. First, I want to say to you, I am happy for you that you have overcome your addiction. I am happy for you that you have found victory in your addiction. But the second thing that I want to say to you is that even though I'm happy because you are no longer in your addiction, I am concerned and I am sad that outside of Christ, though you have no addiction any longer, you have not found victory in the penalty of your addiction. You see, because the penalty of your addiction is a penalty imposed by a righteous God. And even if you're not in your addiction anymore, if you're outside of Christ, you have no victory over the penalty that God has imposed on your addiction. That can only be taken away by his righteous son. So let me say this again and let me say it to you carefully. The only sin that you can defeat in daily life and replace with righteousness is a sin forgiven in Christ. My friends, there is no reason for this. There, I'm sorry, there is a reason for this. 
And after Paul spends seven chapters explaining to the Romans the reason of this, he sums it all up in our text this morning. And in doing so, he reminds us that in Christ, you have pardon from sin and you have power over sin. So let's, let's dig into our text this morning. Let's, let's go back to verse 1 and let's read our text. On verse 1 it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, the present tense word now, with that tense word now, Paul reminds us that before the now, there was condemnation. What is the now alluding to? It is alluding to those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul is saying, now that you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. And then he gives us the how is this possible. How is this possible? Verse 2 and 3, it is possible because for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Now, in order to understand that, we need to see that in verse 2, Paul speaks of two laws. What are these? What do they mean? Well, first, I want us to ask ourselves about the law of sin and death. What does the law of sin and death refer to? And I believe the closest place we can look to find the answer is in a similar phrase that Paul uses in chapter 7. Chapter 7, verses 22 and 23. He says, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin. There it is. And making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. You see, here in verse 23 of chapter 7, we have the phrase law of sin. This law of sin that Paul is describing here on chapter 7 is the same as the law of sin and death that we see on Romans 8 too. The only reasons why the words and death are added is because all we, we all know that the law of sin outside of Christ leads to death. Then what is this law of sin? Well, verse 23 says it best. This law of sin is in my members. In other words, it is a power. It is an impulse, a principle that is at work in my body to make me at war with myself and to draw me to do evil, to draw me to sin. That is the law of sin. Secondly, we need, to, we need to look at what is the law of the spirit of life? What Paul is telling us in verse, uh, in verse 3, Paul is telling us that the victory over the impulse, the principle of power of sin, the victory over the law of sin 
is given by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So what is this law of the spirit of life? Well, the word law in this phrase, law of the spirit of life, has the same meaning as the word law in the phrase law of sin. So this is what we can gather from just, from just seeing these verses. This is what we can gather. We can gather that sin works in a certain way with power and authority leading to death. And that's called the law of sin and death. But we can also gather that the Spirit of God works a certain way with power and authority leading to life. And that is called the law of the Spirit of life. And that law of the spirit of life is the one that brings victory in Christ Jesus. Church, this is what this means in short. The measure of victory that we get over sin in our lives is not holding on to our own unaided striving. It is holding on to the work of God's Spirit in us through the law of the Spirit of life in Christ. That is the measure of victory we get over our sins. Brothers and sisters, we have this Spirit working in us because we are in Christ. Every Christian has the Spirit of life working in him. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free. It has set you free from the law of sin. And it is working in you. Paul explains this to us in Romans 8, 9. He says, You, however are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if one does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So if this morning, when I started, you were questioning the fact whether you were in Christ or not, I think the question that we need to ask is, is the work, is the law of the spirit of life working in us? Now, Jose, what, what about, what if, I, about if I'm receiving a beating at the hands of my sin? What about if I'm, I'm battling sin, but I'm being knocked down? What does this mean? Am I not a Christian? course not you see it is necessary for us to understand that god in christ has set has set an order of pardon first before power over sin he has pardoned our sin first and then he gives us the power to overcome sin if you're going to get victory over any particular sin you have to joyfully confidently Say, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. 
You see, it is the truth of no condemnation that is the foundation and the empowerment for our radical warfare against sin. And I do mean radical warfare, guys. Please, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I don't mean a lazy boy, easy chair salvation. I don't mean sitting back and saying, well, God will take care of it. That's not what I mean. You see, in fact, in verse 13, Paul says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. What the law of the Spirit of life enables you to do is make war on forgiven sin and receive your victory. You see, even verse 4 clearly communicates this to us. The law of the Spirit of life sets us free from the penalty of sin in order that In order that what? In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, not the other way around. God is not calling us to fulfill the righteous. um, God is not calling us to fulfill the righteous, uh, what the law is asking us to do first, and then receive no condemnation. No. God is pardoning your sin, giving you no condemnation. And then he is empowering you to battle sin in order that the requirements of the law might be fulfilled in you. That is very important for us to understand. It is crucial. We don't battle sin as those who must defeat sin in order to stand in Christ. We battle sin because we are in Christ and therefore have raised, have received his victory over sin. If we miss this, what's going to happen is it's going to lead us to paths of self-righteousness and despair. Let me try to illustrate this for you a little bit. Suppose that you're on trial in a courtroom for a capital offense. And suppose that your life hangs in the balance. A guilty verdict will mean death. Electric chair. And not guilty verdict will mean freedom and life. And suppose the judge says to you, there are two ways we can deal with this. I can acquit you right now, decisively, And irrevocably. And release you so that you can go live free and joyful in a loving life. Now, get that. Release you to live a free, joyful, and loving life. This life is going to show you really are not rebellious, crime-loving, Lawbreaker, though you have been, and though sometimes you still are. Or, says the judge, I can postpone the trial and the verdict for several years and assign you a parole officer to watch you all the time. 
and let you go out and prove yourself to the court by your life and then have the trial after that and base the verdict on whether you, your behavior was satisfactory or not. That is the difference. God sets us free from the penalty of sin and He pardons us and then He gives to us the law of the Spirit of life, which is His Spirit Himself, to enable us and empower us to fulfill the righteousness of God. Church, we are the rebellious, crime-loving lawbreakers who have been acquitted. No condemnation. We have been freed by the law of the Spirit of life in Christ. We have been freed to put sin to death and to battle against it for the rest of our lives. Let me give you this quote by Chris Longhart from the book The Enemy Within. And he says, As you, by faith, apply all the means of grace God has given to kill the flesh, remember that it is the Spirit who works in every part to bring the victory from Christ. Oh, church, this makes a huge difference. This makes a huge difference. It is the difference between fighting fearfully to get justified and fighting confidently because we are justified. It is the difference between you heavenly, your heavenly court trial being behind you with an irrevocable verdict of not guilty and your trial being in front of you with the verdict up in the air depending on your performance. It is the difference between the freedom of confidence and the bondage of fear. But it's even more than that, guys. And this is the worst part. This is what grabs chills through my back when I feel that I need to be the one to do things outside of Christ in order to overcome. It is the difference between giving Christ the double glory of both being our righteousness as well as working righteousness in us and giving Him only the single glory of helping us become our own righteousness. Are you your own righteousness? Are you fighting your sin on your own? Or are you dependent on the one who is your righteousness? So what difference does no condemnation make now when it seems like sin is getting the best of me? What difference does no condemnation make? We may ask. Well, let, me, let me give you a few, a few illustrations, as best as I can, of what difference it makes. Suppose you feel disappointed. You are a married man, and you feel disappointed or even deeply wronged in your marriage. Your wife doesn't respect you. She doesn't respect you the way you would like For her too. And in this process, you are battling this desire to just retaliate against her in evil and sin. 
I ask you this morning, where will you find the power to forgive? Where will you find the power to keep on loving her? Where will you find the hope to restore your marriage and to not return evil for evil? You know where? Romans 8.1 There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You will remind yourself again and again that even though you are a sinner in Christ Jesus, God has not condemned you. And your future is free for everlasting joy and from the mercy and hope that you have received. You will draw buckets of mercy for your spouse. And God will work wonders of grace in your life and in her life. Even to the point, maybe, of restoring your marriage. That is the importance of no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Or maybe you're a parent. And in your parenting, you are heartbroken over your failed relationship with your child. And you're battling the guilt of your failings on one side. Now you're in a ring. And instead of having one opponent, you have two. And you're battling the failings, your failings on one side. And on the other side, you're battling the pride of your heart that will not allow you to humble yourself before your child and humble yourself before God. So how will you keep going? How will you keep loving your child? You know where the answer is? Romans 8.1 You see, guys, your standing with God does not hang on your figuring out how much was your fault or how much was not your fault. Your standing before God as a loved and forgiven child is this. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. With that freedom, you will admit your failings. With that freedom, you will freely humble yourself before your children and before God. And God may come and heal your relationship with your child. That is the difference of no condemnation. I'm going to give you one more. Maybe you are a teenager or a youth. Youth, teenager, single this morning who constantly battles with peer pressure and being accepted and liked by others. You're constantly worrying about what others think, about how you dress, about what car you drive. You're constantly worried about your hair and what people think of it. You're constantly worried about fitting in the crowd. Where are you going to find the freedom? Where are you going to find the power to be able to break this bondage 
of fear of men and this bondage of just pleasing men and not God. Where are you going to find that power? You know where? Romans 8, 1. There is, no, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, you're standing with God. You have a Father in heaven whose approval of you is a thousand, ten thousands, a hundred thousand, a million times more important than what anybody else thinks. And you have been accepted, for there is therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus. That is where you're going to find freedom. So I ask you, church, is there importance to understanding this truth, to feeling it, to loving it, to living in it. You see, the triumphant blow has been struck. Our sin has been broken. Our sin has been defeated for sure on the cross of Christ. So I leave you with one last word. Lay hold on your victory in Christ, which is your victory indeed. And fight your sin like a victor, not like a victim. As you read, no condemnation. Church, take it in. Live on it. Love it. God does the work and we believe in the work. We stand on the work and receive all that God is for us. Christ is our victory. Let us pray. Father, Lord. Oh, Lord, how, how many times do we fail to remind ourselves, Lord, that you have paid the price for our sin we are no longer in bondage, Father. We are no longer in bondage to the penalty of our sin. It is defeated. It is knocked out. Lord, help us fight. Oh, help us believe this. Help us live in it. Help us love it, Lord. And as we see our sin standing on the other corner, on the other side of, a ring, of the ring of life, Father, help us look at it in the eye and say, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, he has defeated you. He has condemned you in the flesh, in the flesh of his only begotten son. And you are condemned. And I am alive. Lord, help us. Help us understand and help us make the connection to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.